What is this? A what? Where's, where, where's Rarori? What is it? Rarori? You're, you're a technical man? It's a plastic pipe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> From a man who knows it all, it's a plastic pipe. Okay. It's actually, it's actually, it's actually me. Now, I mean, I know you don't recognise me, but it is me. Um, fact, maybe if I drew a face and some hair on the top. Who's? Yeah, probably more recognisable now, isn't it? So there you go. There's me. And, and I, was, I was actually, I was probably as thin as this many years ago. I used to be, I mean, I was, I've kind of, when I got married, um, I started to eat right, you know. Oh, sorry, man, not, man, not there. No, sorry. No, but, I mean, you were the best cook. Well, sorry, not the best. You're the, you're the, oh, you sort it out, you sort it out. But anyway, I used to be really skinny. In fact, I was so skinny, I used to wear um, water skis in the shower so I didn't fall down the plug hole. So skinny that I had to walk around in the shower to get wet. I mean, you've heard all the one-liners, haven't you? So skinny that my striped pyjamas only had one stripe. You know? So this is me. I'm a drain pipe. In fact, actually, this is you as well. And... A drain pipe doesn't mean much to most of us here because it's just an appendage, an attachment on the side of a house. But if you live in a rural area or if you live in, a, in an arid country where there's not much rain, the downpipe is one of the most valuable elements on the side of a house because it takes the water from the roof, the only catchment area of a house, and then disperses it and dispenses it, and it's used for irrigation, for drinking, for cleansing, and, and whatever else. So I've discovered that I'm a, dra- I'm, I'm, a, I'm a drain pipe, and so are you. For the Spirit of God and for the life of God, the grace of God and the love of God, to, be, to fill my life, and if you like, kind of like this, to flow out into the lives of others. Good catch. <laughs> Put your name forward for the cricket team. And that's what I am. And I think if, if, I'm to, if I'm to look at what the effective, genuine follower of Jesus is all about, the, the metaphor of a drain pipe is, is as good as any. And the New Testament is full of of principles and truths that tell us about the life of God that, that fills us and actually is discharged through us, affecting the world that we live in. Ephesians 2, talks of, um, Paul talks about um, being created to do good works that he's planned for us long ago, works through us. He, he, and Philippians, it's, it's the, the fact that God is working within us giving us what we desire, but also helping us to do what he wants us to do. The work of God through our lives. Jesus spoke so often about the, the life that he wants to invest in us, not just being within us, but actually being discharged through us. The Matthew 5 to 7, we are the light of the world. In other words, when his light enlightens our life, we become a light in the darkness as well. And when he, when he pours his life into us, we become salt. 
In other words, for a world that loses its flavor or becomes stale and becomes rotten, we are the preservative that gives life. We, we give flavor to a, to, a, to a world around us. And Jesus talked also about greater works will we do than he does. And that's all because the life of God actually flowing through us as, as drain pipes. And, I mean, the really neat passage in John 15 is of the, the story of the vine, you know, when, when Jesus paints this picture of, of us being attached to him in order for the life of him to be discharged through us and to actually produce fruit. And so the, 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 the two real strong thoughts there are connection to God, being, being so, remaining in him, so that we can produce fruit. In other words, so that the drain pipe is not blocked, but the drain pipe actually produces fruit and, and the world around us, the people around us, their lives are changed. Okay, we understand that. So in basic terms, I'm a drain pipe. And I'm convinced that, that the effective follower of Jesus has this ability, this potential to take the power, the grace, and the love of the creator God of this universe and to disperse it and be an agent of change to the world around him. And we often pray, don't we, about God filling us and God you know, giving us more of himself. But I want us this morning to look at, at what is involved in us discharging and dispersing what God has already placed within us. See, our capacity to... to um, to receive more from God, I think, is limited by how much we actually discharge and disperse. More of God, we want more of God, we want, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. And some of us have had more hands laid on us than a piano and, and to be filled with the Spirit. But, but the issue is not just being filled, it's discharging and dispersing and allowing the Spirit of God to actually affect and influence and change the world around us. And if I'm to be honest... The flow of God through my life in a supernatural way, and I believe that's what Jesus was talking about because we're not just talking about the, the glib answer to a question or the reciting of four spiritual laws when someone wants to know about Jesus. I mean, you can talk about that sort of stuff the same way as you, you recommend a certain supermarket to someone to shop at, you know. So that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the supernatural power of God working through your life. And as I've been thinking about this over the last few days, I've discovered that my life is not always as effective as it should be. That the drain pipe, the conduit for change, the conduit for God's love and for his spirit, for his blessing to flow through my life, is not always as good as it should be. And sometimes there are blockages. Sometimes there are, there's debris in the downpipe in my life that, that really hinders the spirit of God moving. And I want to be a bit honest this morning, because it's always good to be honest on a Sunday morning, isn't it? I mean, that's a good way to be. I want to um, talk about some of the, the blockages, I guess, that, that I've discovered in my life. And I trusted us, I just spent a bit of time reflecting on those, that we'll be able to see that, well, you could see it maybe similar blockages occur in yours that really hinder the, the Spirit of God moving in your life and through you and you being the drain pipe that you're supposed to be. And so with a the blockage there, no longer can the, 
We'll call this the Spirit of God. But no longer. All right? So we're no longer able to, to be all that we're supposed to be. So, yeah, where should we go? Where should we go with this? Eddie, you look like a, a man who's concentrating this morning. Number one, the first one up here, take it out. What does it say? Sin. Oh dear. Sin. That's a pretty good blockage. And that can hinder the Spirit of God working through me. Um, last Saturday, I received back from a person who had borrowed it a tool, a, a machine. And this person had wrecked it. And it was at the point of being irreparable. Is irreparable? Irreparable? Um, I can't fix it. Um, it, was, it, was beyond, it was beyond the point of fixing. And, and anyway, I tried to fix it. And in my trying to fix it, I actually wrecked it completely. And I started to get real angry with this, with this tool. In fact, I lost my, te- it lost my, it's an unusual phrase, lost my temper, because I, I knew exactly where my temper was. It was all around me, you know what I mean? And, and, but I lost my cool with this tool, with this appliance. And who laughed then? <laughs> and, and, and I just realized then that there was something that came between me and God. And I just didn't have that freshness and that intimacy because I had developed and allowed something to, to be, I don't know, discharged within me that was, that was kind of like a, a war that happened between myself and God's sin. And the Bible paints sin as being like a chasm, like a separation, or as a barrier, as a wall. And um, Isaiah 59 says that, that your sins have separated you from God. Now, if we can just go back to the Garden of Eden. Of course, the Garden of Eden, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid behind a tree. And they were, una- they were unable to... to they, they lost the intimacy with, their, with, with the God who had made them. They could no longer see him. They could no longer, um, they could no longer hear his voice with clarity. They could no longer hold his hand. There was not they'd lost that closeness, and we you saw the picture last week we had on the screen of Michelangelo painting and the and the separation between the two fingers, and that is that's hiding behind the bush, and how can I receive everything from a from how can I receive everything from God and discharge it and disperse it to those around me when I've lost that intimacy when there's that barrier with Him? How can I be His His um, his lips, if you like, to speak when I've lost his ear? How can I be his eyes to the world around me that's hurting when, it, when I can no longer see him? How can I be his hands when my, when my hand is removed from his? And so I've discovered that the first blockage, the first blockage that I have to deal with in my life in order for to really see the Spirit of God working through me in a supernatural, miraculous way and to, and to just know that whatever I do has a, has a purpose for good as it's discharged, the first thing I have to deal with is the issue of sin. And that is the blockage. Okay. Another one up there, the one up this side. What is that there? Uh, what does that say, loud voice? I possess. 
What do you mean you forget? You've just read it out. <laughs> you forget. Okay, I forget. So the second block, it really is, you know, I forget sometimes who I am. I have an identity crisis. Sometimes I think I'm just a container and not a conduit. There's a difference between being a container and a conduit. Now, I know you can fill a container like this full enough so that it overflows at the top. I know that. But sometimes I think that, that my life and the, the blessings that God wants to give me and what he wants to pour into me is just, just for me. I forget who I am. I'm not a container. I'm a conduit. I'm a pipe for God's spirit to be discharged and be dispersed. What is the that happens in my life that causes me to forget? Well, there's a number of things. Firstly, I can get so wrapped up in my own life and my own concerns and my own world that I forget the concerns and the worlds of others. I get so wrapped up with what's going on in my life that I forget what's going on in the world around me. I also forget when I'm in my own pain. You know what it's like? You haven't got time for anybody else because you're suffering enough as it is. But I've discovered that when, you are, when you're really soaking in everything that God has for you, he pours on enough grace in your life, even in the deepest pain that you go through, to actually be of benefit to those around you as well. Have you noticed that? Have you ever visited someone in a hospital and wanted to cheer them up? And you've come out feeling more cheered up than you went in? You ever done that? I mean, I remember um, a few years ago, Yannicka and Deb were in hospital together. Um, well, they weren't together, but, but they were in hospital. And I, I visited Dad, and then I went to see Yannicka. And, and I prayed with Yannicka, then she prayed. And I actually felt really uplifted and blessed because the way that she prayed. But she was sick. It's possible that even in my pain, God can pour grace upon me that is not just sufficient for my needs, but it's sufficient for the needs of the people around me as well. I remember, Viv won't like me telling the story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, I'll hear about it later. But when our boy died, on the afternoon of, our, of, of Jared's death, we were in this hospital room, and we'd been praying for two and a half hours or something like that, that, that God would do a miracle in the operation that he'd be okay and anyway he wasn't he died and in the room walked the principal of the school that Jared went to and she was really upset I mean we were you can imagine how devastated we were I mean it's the worst thing that's ever happened in our lives and we were just we were shattered but this woman was broken as well and she was broken because of us because she felt our pain but she was also distraught because a child had died on her watch. And so Viv suggested, in the middle of, all of everything that we were going through, Viv suggested that we pray for Sue. And that prayer had a really a magnificent effect on her life, you know, because in our pain, or in Viv's pain, we are able to discharge still and see the blessing of God come to someone else. So sometimes I forget, and even in the pain, but even in my pain, God can pour his grace onto the lives of others as well. The other time I forget is when I'm busy. Do you forget when you're busy? You forget that you're a conduit and you're just a, you're just a container to receive it all? We don't want to be interrupted, do we? Because the interruption takes us out of what God wants us to do. Because we think in the busyness we're doing, it's God's will. You know, It's like, a bit like Jesus when he was 
when he was on his way to see Jairus's daughter and to 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 pray for or to bring you know to heal her of her sickness, he was interrupted on the journey by the by the woman who had been sick for twelve years, and and you can see the inference in the story there that the disciples were trying to hurry Jesus on and get the crowd out of the way, but Jesus took time to actually. Deal with the woman, and she as she touched his garment. Of course, she was healed, but Jesus didn't mind hanging in that place. And of course, that meant that by the time he got to Jairus's daughter, she had to be raised from the dead and not just healed of her sickness. But in the interruption, in the busyness of what Jesus went through there, God did two miracles, or He did two miracles. So, being a conduit for the blessing of God has to start with loving others. Right, there's another blockage. There's more. This pipe's really blocked up. Who's going to do this one? Yeah. Um, Bolt. No, 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 leave it. Yep, that's number four. No, number three. Oh, sorry, number three. You got it. Yeah, you got it. You got number three. Yep, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Pull it out. Yeah, pull it out and read it. Fear. Fear. Afraid. Afraid that if I step out in faith, I'm going to make a mistake or I'm going to look stupid. Right? How many of us have, how many of us have felt like that? If we really, if we sense that we need to, to to do something for God, step out in faith. That if we make a mistake, we're gonna we're gonna look. People are gonna question our sanity. I remember, I remember the time at Queensgate Mall. I think I told the story when this very regal woman was standing beside me at the counter as I was buying some perfume for Viv, uh, which happens regularly. Um, and 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 I I felt God say to me that that um, she'd had some bad news and that. She needed prayer. And I said, uh, said to her, you, oh, you've had some bad news today. And she said, in a very regal, she said, no. And you, you got no idea how small I felt. Until she said, no, but my husband's been diagnosed with cancer. And I said, yes. Not because he's been diagnosed with cancer, but because, I, because, because God, was, God was there in that, you know. And, and I thought I was making a mistake. And God, but God kind of, you see, and when we do make mistakes, when we do blow it, God hasn't called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful, you know, and that's really important. I remember a time in a boardroom in Lower Hutt with some businessmen and one, about six guys, and one of them is a, is a really difficult guy and um, arrogant and obnoxious and unpleasant chap. And anyway, he had some health issues and had been to the doctor and, and, and you know, obviously had a heart problem. But during this meeting... He just said, hey, listen, I'm not feeling very well. And so I, I got up from my chair around this board table, about six guys around this board table, and I got up and I stood around behind him and I said, I'd love to pray with you. And as I, pray, as I lay hands on, my, on his shoulder, I could just sense him flinching up, tightening up. He just didn't want it. You know, but anyway, I prayed for him and prayed that God would heal him. And, that, and uh, Anyway, a month later, he died of a heart attack. So when I met some of those guys again, you know, after that, I could just tell by the way they were looking at me that this guy's a wingding, you know. I mean, he, he goes around praying for people and nothing happens, you know. But God hasn't called us to be successful all the time. He's called us to step out in faith and to be faithful. And sometimes we just need the spirit of boldness 
to come upon us. You know, I'm going to tell a story, perhaps in a few minutes it relates to the next one. But, but um, God wants us to step out and to be free from that blockage of fear. Okay? So the first one is sin. The second one is to, is to remember who you are. Don't forget that you're a conduit, not a container. Third one is fear. All right, number four. This is the last one. And then that tennis ball of the Spirit of God flying through us is going to flow. Unbelief. As I was reflecting on my own life and the work of God through me, I, I could see that unbelief was an issue. How many here have struggled with unbelief? You know, haven't you? You know that God is all-powerful. You can do the miracles. You can see the miracles that he's done. You've even had times when you've prayed for people, seen his miraculous hand at work through your life. Look, I've been to India with Bruce Billington, and, and we saw lame people walk, blind people see, deaf people hear. You know, we've seen incredible things happen, but there are still some times when I have doubts. Isn't that right? And I've, I feel like it's a little bit like that story in, in Mark chapter 9 where Jesus has this, um, remember this, it's the guy's son who, who is suffering from seizures. And Jesus is having this interaction with the, with the father and, and the, the, the dad says, look, look I believe, but, but help me with my unbelief. And you know, there are times when I struggle with my, I have to pray that God gives me faith for my faith, if you like. Help me with my unbelief. And there is, when, when Jesus, um, there are times when, um, when we face these sort of issues that we've got to realize that we're in, we're in pretty good company. But if you, because if you read Hebrews 11, and all these heroes of our faith, Many of them struggle with periods of unbelief as well. Look at Moses. God spoke to him through a burning bush. I mean, that was a miraculous experience. But he still didn't believe God enough to go back to Egypt in a hurry when he was told. Look at Abraham. Look at all the promises that God gave Abraham and all that he saw occur in his life. And yet, Abraham still didn't believe God enough to actually... Uh, well, you know, he, he kind of lied that his wife was his sister to get him out of a tight spot, you know. Look at David. David slew Goliath. And yet he conceded. He said, oh, let's see, he says, I think, I think Saul's going to slay me. So they all struggled with their, with their unbelief as well. Look at Elijah and all that he saw on Mount Carmel with um, the, the fire coming up from the wet sacrifice and, and then the the slaughtering of all the prophets of Baal and that miracle there and yet he ran for his life from the wicked Queen Jezebel because he was scared, he lacked faith. So when we go through periods of unbelief, let's don't forget that unbelief, I believe, is a a result of the fall and a part of it remains in each of us. Times of unbelief. And there are times when I've got to say, God, help me with my unbelief. A few, two years ago, I prayed for a, uh, one of my contractors was 
was um, was very sick. He'd been to consultants and and specialists about some issues, and and it was not looking good. And he was going to have to take time off work. And of course, it could have, he could have stopped work forever. Um, it was not looking good. And he had a book. He was booked in for the day for the day after we were chatting about this on site. And I said, "Hey, how about we pray together?" And look, from what he was talking to me about, I didn't really have a lot of faith. And I just said, God, help me with my unbelief. And so we went into a basement area where the guys would have their smoko and, on a wet day. And, and I prayed for him. And I didn't feel anything special. But somehow God did a miracle. And, we just, and I'd forgot, I forgot about this episode until a couple of weeks later. And he came up to me and he says, you know what? I went to the doctor the next day and I'm completely healed. The, the symptoms are no longer there, and he was fine. And even now he's fine. And two years later, I just talked to him two weeks ago again. And I had, even though it was not a big deal for me, because I had, and this is, this is the unusual part about it, this guy, this guy, this experience, this miraculous healing has been a significant part of his life, and it's a significant part of his journey to Christ. And I believe he's going to come to Jesus. He's very, very close. Got a few things to work through, but I, I couldn't grapple with the fact that this miraculous event had such an impact on his life, and yet for me, I was the one who had been lacking the faith. And so often we've got to say, God, help me with my unbelief. So those... I found uh, 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 the kind of the, the, if you like, the debris or the blockages that can occur in my life as a drain pipe. And I just wonder, as we reflected on them, if they are also maybe the blockages or the debris that you would find in your life as a drain pipe as well. Or maybe there are other blockages. Because God wants to use you. As I walked in this morning, I thought to myself, and God said to me, there's enough, there is enough capacity in this room for the city of Upper Hutt to be changed. And it's not more of the Spirit of God that we need. It's more of the Spirit of God being discharged and released and dispensed through us. Isn't that right? And I'll tell you if, you, if you, if you want more of the Spirit of God, you give more. And the room will come. We come through the pipe and God will impact the world around you. We often have times of prayer. At the end, times of ministry, at the end of a service, where we ask if you need prayer for the Spirit of God to fill you, we do that. But this morning I'd like to do it a little bit differently. I'd like us to, I'd like you, I'd like you to think about, to consider and to pray about just now. What are the blockages in your life that need to be removed? What are the obstructions in your life that need to be dealt with? Is it fear? Is it unbelief? Is it sin? Is it just you forget your life's so tied up in your own world? What is it that would, if it was removed, the Spirit of God would flow freely freely through your life and influence and affect and change your world around you. Maybe you're not a Christian this morning. I don't know. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Part of God's overall plan for your life is to be one of these. 
is so that the creator of this universe can, can fill you and so that you can then disperse his life and be an agent for change in the world that he's placed you in. You know, you, can, you may try and fill your life with a whole lot of different stuff. And Pascal, the French philosopher, said that there is a God-shaped vacuum in everyone's life that only God can fill. And God wants to fill your life today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've never committed your life to Christ, he wants to fill your life. Why? So that you can then disperse his life to the world around you and make your world the place where God wants it to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have entrusted to us the privilege of being agents for change. It really is an incredible situation we find ourselves in to to know that as weak, frail human beings, you have allowed the Spirit of God to enter us and to be discharged through us to bring change to the world around us. Lord, we are also reminded of the, of the incredible responsibility in that. And we don't want to hold it to ourselves, Lord. We want to, dis- we want to see your work done in the world around us. The people we meet, our family, our friends, our neighbours, our workmates, we want to see lives changed. We want to see the city changed for you. Help us to be the conduits, the, the, the drain pipes that you've created us to be. And Lord, to deal with those issues, the blockages, the debris, the obstructions that need to be removed so the Spirit of God can flow freely. We pray in Jesus' name. So maybe this morning, I'm just going to ask the, if you need prayer, anything this morning, can, can the elders come up and, and uh, maybe Jesse and Angie uh, Rom as well, those of you who pray for folk could we just come and stand at the front here and those of you who need prayer this morning for anything that you know needs to be removed from your life in order for the spirit of God to flow freely whatever that is just come and, and stand and one of the elders or one of the others will pray for you can we do that just now Anybody? You need prayer for anything in particular. No, we're not talking about ooky-pooky stuff. I'm just talking about God. You might be dealing with it now, but you might need some specific prayer in terms of stuff. Sure. Ava, here. Be um, just as, um, sorry. It's your husband down the back. Does he always stop you talking like this? <laughs> there you go. Just as um, Trevor was talking about um, this whole issue of um, unbelief that we often face in our own lives and um, at times we can feel like the strong sort of... Um, support by Christ and um, feeling like, you know, we've just got all the belief um, and faith in the world and then other times we can feel like, oh, where are you, God? And how you possibly be um, 
in control um, of the situation, especially when something happens unexpectedly and um, just out of the blue and you can feel a bit sort of lost and like where I got in this. And um, just as um, Trevor was sharing about how he prayed for this workmate and he didn't have a lot of faith for um, a positive outcome in his health and all that kind of stuff, that I just really felt like God was really encouraging me to share something that happened in our lives. Um, when our little daughter, our third daughter, Deanna, was in hospital, um, and she was five days old, and um, some of you might know that she had this issue of going blue, and um, we almost lost her. It happened seven times in the five st- first five days of her life, and um, on the fifth day... Or six, it was I think six days to um, she was about six days old. We were at Wellington Hospital and they sent her over there for further investigation. And um, I was feeling really emotional and really shocked and lost faith. I think I really did not see a way out. And um, one of the people that really encouraged us was um, Trevor. Came to um, pray for Deanna. That morning, and I just felt like, I honestly, like my thoughts were quite messed up, and I was feeling like, who is this man who lost a child himself, and how get, can he have so much faith and come and pray for her little daughter? And um, he prayed so positively, and I just couldn't see the way out. All I could see was like death, and that we're going to lose her. And I try not to think like that, but I really felt quite. Um, down about it all and all we got was just I guess we got good news lots of times at the tests and nothing seemed to be wrong but at the same time she would just stop breathing and she would go blue and look lifeless and that was really scary on its own but um, when um, Trevor came and prayed for her somehow I just felt like okay well this man has faith in this situation and um what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that there are times when we really feel like we can't have faith or don't have enough faith to get through a situation, but there are people that do and can lift us up and just really gives us, give us strength. And, um, yeah, one of the other people was met to mum, Colleen, that said to me, like, um, look, Avi, I just really have a good feeling about this, that, Nothing really bad is going to happen, and I try to really cling on to that, even though I didn't see it that way. And um, that same day that um, Trevor prayed for Deanna, at the end of the day, they were doing more tests, and that morning she desaturated twice, so she went blue twice, and they did some more tests, and they were talking about her having seizures and some more complicated problems, possibly, and they were investigating, but... By the end of the day, they actually told us that um, a brain specialist, that because she was put on a brain monitor, they could tell that even though she stopped breathing, her brain was not affected. She was not having seizures. They just that same day we got more hope that really there's nothing that serious. They ruled out a lot of things, and um, that basically she's they were going to do a few more tests, but if she doesn't do it again, they were just transferred to Lower Hutt Hospital and back home, and um, she's actually 
healthy and, and that was the last time she's ever actually done that and our little girl just turned six um, on the 13th of April and um, she's a real amazing kid and we have a really special bond, especially me I think, have a really special bond with her um, because of that experience we went through but um, yeah I just want to encourage you to never give up and I just want to thank you Trevor for being with us that day and um, I'm sure your prayers and everyone else that helped us um, at at the time from church too really um, made a difference and um, thank you for being our support then thank you thanks Ava Ange Ange could we have um, maybe just if not the whole team at least a few of you to do do a song together and as we sing as we worship and I just ask that if God's speaking to you, and he is, I know, regarding just the debris and the blockage and the obstructions that you need just have released and then to see the Spirit of God working through you, you come in and we just love to pray for you because there is so much, there is so much we need to give. We have so much and I just long for us to be a church. I long to do an open mic and to have Sunday mornings where we just can't stop people talking about the miraculous and the supernatural things they've seen God do through their lives during the week. And they're just marvellous. The the Spirit of God wants to move amongst us in a dynamic way. Don't let anything hold it back. Don't let anything be in the way to a spirit moving through your life. Can we do that? Let's stand and sing together. If you need to pray, you need someone to pray for you, come up the front and maybe you just want someone to gather around you. Put your hand up and friends or family can gather, pray with you. But um, I'm going to ask that you move forward and we'll pray with you.